Well, good morning, GT Church. How is everyone today? Okay, let's go with the people online, okay? Good morning, GT Church Online. How are you today? I could hear them more than I can hear you all. I'm just teasing. But I know that all of you, like me, are, are brimming with excitement for the impending snowstorm. Come on, raise your hand if you're excited about the snowstorm. Come on. Bring it on, yeah. Come on. Anybody else? I, want, I see that hand. Yeah, praise God. Okay. Um, how about online? If you are in GT Live or Facebook chat, um, just type in the chat, man, I am excited for the snowstorm. What is it, Olerna? What's the name of this? This has an interesting name. This, some of you don't even track this. You're already, I already lost you. I apologize. But I like snow. I always have ever since I was a little kid. Um, I remember looking out the window of our house from my bed and always when there was a forecast, hoping for some kind of snow action to happen and getting a delay from school or getting canceled so that my brothers and I could spend the entire day in the snow because that's what we would do. But I'm excited. It's fun to be locked in with your family and friends and things like that. So anyway, we are glad that you're here today. I believe, um, as always, that God has something for you. Um, He wants to do something in you. You know, there's kind of different layers of what God does in our lives when we gather together and when we meet together, uh, whether it's in person or online. God wants to do something in us, for us, through us, to us. God is at work. He is the living God, right? Amen, church. He's the living God, and he wants to do something here in this place today. And um, I, we, we are starting a brand new series. As Tony said, we're going to launch a brand new series today for three weeks called Not Alone, where we want to talk about the importance, the vitality of you and I being connected together into the life-giving nature of the body of Christ. I want to say that again, that I, I believe that the body of Christ has within itself, again, the gathering of believers, of saints together, whether it's 300 people, whether it's 10 people, or just three. There is a life giving nature to that kind of gathering when the people of God meet together. And we're going to talk about that today in the next two weeks after today about getting connected to the life-giving nature of the body of Christ. I believe that God wants to do something in us. And you know, we are, you and I are faced with many pressures in this world today, right? We're faced with relationship pressures, we're faced with uh, job pressures, and we're faced with political pressures, we're faced with social media, chaos, right? Some of us try to avoid that at all costs. Some of you, like, run to it. Like, we're faced with pressures in this world. We're faced with mask pressures. And uh, there's, a, there's a myriad of things that, that can exert pressure on our lives. And I would say to you, and I think you know this already, but some of us don't live as if, if we do know it, we are not designed to face those pressures without God or alone. Amen. You and I are not designed to face the pressures of this world and of life alone. We're not made to be alone. In fact, from the very beginning of the Bible, God said to Adam, who was walking with God in an unhindered relationship with the creator of the universe, God looked at the man and said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And so God made the woman to be a helper for the man. And so then man and woman began to have union with one another. But God knew that it was not his design for us to live this life alone. And today I would like to um, redeem an often unused word in the body of Christ. You know, the, the, the church, not just this church, but the church universally and mostly in America, has migrated towards the word community to connote the gathering together of believers. And for good reason, right? Like, in many places that you go across this country, you will find when you hit a, a neighborhood or a community, you'll find a community center. Not just in America, but across the globe. In fact, we helped to build a community center in Romania a few years ago. So a community center is, by definition, a place where people come together, right? And it's rooted in the word commune, which kind of denotes the, a deep fellowship, a deep gathering, a deep conversation Uh, together with one another. So having moved and shifted to the word community is not a bad thing, but I want to redeem and 
bring back to our um, understanding a word that I think has been less used in recent years. And when you see community, you even know that this happens across the globe. One of our best, our closest missionary partners is named John Easter. He spoke here a couple of times over the last five years. John Easter is an amazing man of God. He is a visionary for Africa. He's led the, the organization under Assemblies of God called Africa's Hope for a number of years. And John, when I'm around him, when he talks in different gatherings, he talks about how the hope of Africa is to send trained pastors into the communities and villages of Africa. Because when you send an equipped, empowered, spirit-filled, trained pastor into an African village, he says, he uses this phrase all the time, and I want to use it, I want to borrow it today. He says that when you send a pastor like that into an African village, he said, it brings redemptive lift to the village. He said, when you send a trained pastor into an African village, when they start to build relationships with people, when they start to get integrated into the community of people in that village, it brings a redemptive lift to that village or to that community. Friends, today I want to bring redemptive lift to the word fellowship. How many of you remember the word fellowship? Raise your hand, right? In the chat on Facebook, on YouTube, type the word fellowship. For, for some of you young adults, I might have to spell it for you. F-E-L-L-O-W-S-H-I-P, fellowship, right? I want to bring some redemptive lift to the concept of fellowship today. Now, for some of you, when you hear the word fellowship, it conjures different images in your mind. Some of you probably, when you heard me say the word fellowship, you saw this in your head, right? The Lord of the Rings, right? Some of you don't even know what that is, but some of you probably were very into the Lord of the Rings when it emerged onto the scene of, you know, American film and theater, right? The Lord of the Rings, a, a great, a great uh, series of movies actually depicting the battle between good and evil. There are very strong spiritual connotations throughout that series of movies the, between darkness and light, amazing, amazing messages integrated in those movies. But you, you saw that. Maybe some of you uh, in the academic world, you thought of, you heard fellowship, you think, well, that's the merit-based scholarship that people apply for in grad school. So maybe you saw a library like this in your head. And for most of you today in this gathering, uh, even joining us online, you saw something else in your head. Go ahead and throw that picture up, guys. You saw the quintessential fellowship hall. Now, it wasn't always a hall, right? It was a, a fellowship room. It was a room like this. How many, so how many, raise your hand if, if you grew up in church. Come on. Let me know if you grew up in church. Many of you did. Online, raise your hand if you're in your living room. Go ahead and raise your hand, wave at me, or put in the chat, I grew up in church, right? How many of you know that that room, throw it up. We, we're not done with the fellowship hall yet, guys. Put it back up on the screen. Uh, we are not finished with it. How many know that that room never didn't smell like chicken pot pie? Did it ever not smell like chicken pot pie? And, and that, that room, there was one other thing that you know that that room was known for. Again, it was community, it was fellowship. But that room, the fellowship hall, also housed an unlimited number of folding table configurations, right? That is where the ministry of setup and teardown was given birth, right? Like the ministry of I'm good at setting up tables and chairs, right? That was born in a fellowship hall. Come on, somebody like this is, you know this deal, right? If you grew up in church, you know that there's been a ministry of setting up folding tables and chairs. But I want to bring redemptive lift to that to the fellowship hall. Again, nothing wrong with that, right? We had a room in this church that we called a fellowship hall for years. It's now in the student ministry area. But I want to bring some redemptive lift to that word. Why? Because I believe that the, the concept of fellowship is designed by God and is intended to be deeply meaningful and significant in our lives. And I want to look in, in, in our Bibles. First, we're going to look at Scripture, right? How many know that's a great place to start? We're going to look at Scripture. And then we're going to turn to experience and look at what fellowship literally does in our lives. So if you have a Bible, you can turn over to Acts chapter 2. I want to jump into what is a familiar passage for many of you who grew up in the church. Again, if you're joining us online, 
Uh, turn to Acts chapter 2, grab your device or grab a paper Bible and open to Acts chapter 2, verse uh, 40, I think we're going to start at. And I want to look at a passage. Again, this is a familiar passage. We often look here uh, when we talk about getting connected to the life-giving nature of the body of Christ. And what we're about to read follows one of the most important days in the history of the church. Uh, many, many of you know it as Pentecost Sunday or the day of Pentecost, beginning in Acts chapter, Acts chapter 2, when God poured out his spirit on all flesh. Uh, it was a fulfillment of the prophecy in Joel chapter 2, verse 28, where God said, I will pour out my flesh on all people. Your, your sons and daughters will prophesy. Old men will see visions. Young men will dream dreams. And on all flesh, I will pour out my spirit. And so there's this amazing event that happens and the, the, the disciples, 120 of them, were gathered in the upper room. They were praying. They were seeking God. They were believing for a move of God in their landscape, much like we are today, right? And God poured out a spirit. They began to speak in other tongues. And then Peter stood up to address the crowd. There was a lot of confusion that day. People were not sure what was happening. In fact, the, the people on the outside heard the people on the inside and thought they were crazy, Right? So they said they've had too much wine, right? They thought they were drunk because they were, it sounded like Babel to them. Yet the Bible says that they were speaking in lots of different known languages. And so Peter stands up and addresses the crowd that day. And he preaches, according to Luke, how Luke writes it in the book of Acts, he preaches a rather short sermon. But the power of the Spirit of God was present that day. And the Bible says that many gave their lives, many repented of their sins and gave their lives to Christ. And so we're going to pick it up at the very end of Peter's sermon, and then we're going to look at what Luke uses as kind of, he, he kind of pauses the narrative a little bit, and he steps back from telling the story of what's happening in that moment, and he steps back and he tells us what happened in general in the early church. And so this is what happens in Acts chapter 2, verse 40. This is what Luke said, with many other words, uh, he warned them and pleaded with them. He's talking about Peter. And then he quotes Peter, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And again, I know we say this all the time from this stage, you know, this, this world is a broken world. And we live among broken systems in a broken and corrupt world. And, and we can easily look at what's happening in our world today, in our landscape, and, and kind of have this woe is me thing and think, well, man, it's really, really, really bad right now. But listen... This is no different than what they faced in the early church. And it's no different than what mankind and what the church has faced throughout the last 2,000 years of its history. Christians have always been called to walk among the darkness, right? You and I have been called to, to shed the light of the gospel, to pierce the darkness with the love of Jesus Christ. That has always been our commission. It has never changed, right? From what Peter says, among a corrupted generation... They knew what we know, or we know what they knew, right? It's, it's no different today. So his words bear great weight for us today because what we experience today is no different than what they experienced 2,000 years ago. In verse 31, Luke writes, Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to the number that day. So a revival is starting to take root in the early church. 3,000 people responded to the message of hope in Jesus Christ and gave their lives to him. And then, so then, Luke, he's telling us what was happening, right, right, this, this first layer of narrative, what's happening immediately in this world. Then he steps back, he pauses in his writing, and he describes what it was like in the early church. And he steps back, he, he gives what we call, what Bible scholars call a summary statement. He kind of summarizes what life was like in this season of ministry in the early church. And this is how he summarized it. It says in verse 42, they being the disciples, the people of God, the followers of Jesus, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who, was, who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. 
I love that phrase. They broke bread in their home. Sounds like what we do in this church, right? We gather together in small groups across Berks County in our homes. Now, again, it's changed, right? I, I say that what life was like on March 14th, right? So someday we will be back. We don't know when that will be, but someday life will resume, Lord willing, right? Can anybody say amen to that? Come on, people. Like, I'm ready for fellowship in my basement again, just saying. But um, some, where was I? Someday we'll get back to that. But Luke said they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, I want to I highlight a couple of things here as we get started, but then I'm going to zoom in. So I want to highlight the four things that the early church made its business. As you read that summary statement, it says they were devoted to four things. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching, which I could say, basically, they were devoted to the Word of God. The early church had as its primary focus the Word of God. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking bread together, and to prayer. I don't know about you, but friends, that sounds like a pretty good formula for a healthy church. That sounds like, that sounds like a small group, right? We gather together with each other, whether it's in Zoom or in a basement or in a living room, and we gather around the Word of God. We gather to be devoted to fellowship, to breaking bread. Now, brownies count as bread in this, okay, just saying. Um, and prayer. What a, what a great description. And notice this. I want you to take notice that uh, Luke doesn't just say they, they happen to occasionally gather for fellowship. You know, it didn't, listen, fellowship for the early church didn't happen accidentally. Luke literally uses the word devoted, which means <coughs> to give unremitting attention to. When Luke says they were devoted to these four things, the apostle teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread and prayer, they were giving unremitting attention to fellowship. And I would say this, and I think you agree with me, most of you anyway, that the word of God that we have, we believe in this church that the, the word of God is, is his inspired word. Every word of this, we believe, is the inspired, infallible, authoritative rule of faith and conduct for us today. And if we believe that every word was inspired by the Holy Spirit, then I believe that it was no accident that when Luke was describing the early church that he used the word devoted and he used the word fellowship. And I wonder this, I wonder this, you know, sometimes we look at the Bible and say, well, that was simply descriptive. What if, what if what Luke is giving us, being led by the Holy Spirit, what if that isn't just descriptive, what if it is prescriptive? What if he's not just describing what life was like in the early church? Word of God, fellowship, breaking of bread and prayer. What if he's not just describing it? What if the Holy Spirit through Luke in the written word of God is prescribing it? Not just for the early church, before the later church. Amen, church? What if he's prescribing it for you and I? And now you wonder, well, what is that word? You use the words fellowship, Scott, but what is the original language kind of, what is the imagery, the picture of that word? It actually comes from the Greek word known as koinonia. Type that in the chat, koinonia, okay? Come on. They don't know how to spell Greek. Come on. Koinonia, okay? But it, it it gives the picture used 20 times throughout the New Testament. You think about the, the, the things that the, em, the emphasis of the New Testament is on. There's a focus on fellowship. 20 times throughout the New Testament, the authors were led by the Holy Spirit to use the word koinonia to capture the essence of the gathering together of believers. And in Acts chapter 2, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayer. And this word koinonia commends four different things into our lives. Four different attributes or qualities that I want to just talk briefly about. We'll talk about it again. This is what I believe the Word is, is describing and prescribing in our lives. And I want to talk about my own personal experience, experiencing fellowship 
among the body of Christ, the life-giving nature of God's people. The first part of koinonia fellowship is that it commends relationship to us. There's an aspect of being connected and integrated in the body of Christ that you and I are called to be in relationship. We're called to not be alone in our journey as believers and be in relationship with the body of Christ. I read this this week on Bible.org. The author said this, fellowship is first the sharing together in a common life with other believers through relationship with God through Jesus Christ. I love what he said. Fellowship is first and foremost a relationship rather than an activity. You know, we often can think of fellowship, we hear that where we think, well, we're, we're going to eat together, we're going to have, we're going to do something, we're going to go mini golf or bowling or paintball or whatever, like some shared activity, while that is a part of fellowship, that's kind of like shoulder to shoulder, the word fellowship, koinonia, commends relationship before activity. Not just relationship, but partnership. There's an aspect of the word koinonia, of fellowship, that, that suggests that you and I are partners together in the work of God. That we partner together, serving together the purposes of God, not just within the church, but outside of the walls of the church. Many of you serve among our local go groups in this church. You serve among the different ministry partners that GT has aligned ourselves with, like Mercy Ministries and Life's Choices, like Hope Rescue Mission, like Teen Challenge or Pennsylvania Adult and Teen Challenge. Like There are many different organizations that our church has partnered with, and we send out local go groups to serve among other people. And so many of you and many of us have been connected and partnering together, and you have fellowship when you serve with one another. Another aspect of this koinonia fellowship is companionship. Again, when I, what I said in the very beginning of this message, uh, among the pressures of this world, among the pressures of relationships and of, of the, the pace of life sometimes and of, a, of an impending snowstorm and I gotta clear the driveway, I gotta shovel the snow, I gotta help my neighbor and all the pressures of life, we are not designed to do this alone. Not alone. And so you and I are called to have companionship. Koinonia fellowship commends to our lives the value of companionship. And I would tell you this, that companionship with the world is different than companionship with the body of Christ. I'm not saying it's bad to have friends in the world. Like you and I need to be connected with other people outside of the, the church. Sometimes when you've been in the church for a long time, your world gets too small. Can somebody say amen? You, you start to just be around already convinced people and you no longer have the opportunity to be salt and light in the world. Every one of us here in the room and online, you and I should be on a regular basis looking to cultivate relationships with those who don't yet know Jesus so that your life can be an influence in theirs. And so companionship is good. I love to golf. I golf with lots of different people and Sometimes I golf with people who are already convinced, and sometimes I golf with people who are not yet convinced. And I want my life to be salt and light. And so those kinds of companionships in the world are different than the companionship that you have with other believers. The kind of companionship that Koinonia Fellowship commends to our lives is a life-giving companionship. You and I, I there's, there's a couple of friendships I have with pastors in the area um, I meet with other executive pastors just to talk, to do life together, to share ideas and resources and best practices. And th those relationships among the stresses of ministry, those relationships I have are so life-giving to me. And friend, I believe that the, the fellowship that God wants you to have, the relationships, the partnership, companionship, it's designed to be life-giving to you. The, the fourth value in Pastor Eric will be back next week right here on the stage and talking about this a great deal more, is there's, a, there's an aspect of koinonia that commends stewardship in our lives. How we care for one another among the body of Christ and in the context of a small group. And so make sure you're joining us next Sunday, whether you're here or online, and Pastor Eric will be talking about how do we, how do we care for one another in the body of Christ. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayer.
That's what Luke says. That was the, the description of the body of Christ 2,000 years ago. Now, I want to tell you, so we've looked at what the Scripture says, how Luke describes and prescribes this in our lives. Let me just tell you what it's done in my life, okay? So my wife, Kate, and I have been married for 20 years. Um, listen, I was meeting with a young couple in premarital on Monday afternoon in Zoom, and uh, as I was telling them that my wife and I are married 20 years, I felt old. I don't know, I mean, and some of you are like, well, that's because you are old, Scott. <laughs> like, if you're married 20 years, you're just old. Own it, man. You're old, right? So, and some of you who are more experienced in life than I am, you're looking at me like, get over it, Scott. You're not old, right? Like, I, I hear you out there. It's okay. I hear you online. Like, but um, I, I forget. Okay, so uh, my wife and I, Kate and I have been, we've been literally hosting small groups in our home for 20 years. We've been hosting in our home. We have had hundreds of different people come through our home over the years. 20 years of life group ministry in our basements. 20 years of meeting together with other believers, sharing life together. You know, for me, I'm just, again, I'm just telling you what it, what is done for me. My life from Sunday to Thursday can feel pretty full, and I'm sure yours does too. You know, our work week at, uh, in the church is Sunday through Thursday, Friday, Saturday is kind of our, our weekend, yours is Saturday and Sunday, but so that, those days can get pretty full. I, sometimes it feels like I work all day, I got my laptop at night, like it just, it feels like a rat race, and every one of you can, can identify with what the rat race of life can feel like. And our group, pre-COVID, we would meet on a Thursday night. Now, we, we didn't always have consistent meetings. We would, again, it's been 20 years, but our latest group meets on a Thursday night. And uh, we would meet, you know, probably every week, every other week, sometimes every two or three weeks, depending on everybody's schedules. And uh, we had kids in sports and athletics and other commitments. But we would meet on a Thursday night. And my week, by the time Thursday evening rolls around, man, I, in my life, and anyway, I, I don't know what your life's like, but in my life, I was feeling pretty spent. And there were, there were weeks where we would have small group, and I'm just going to be really honest with you, where, where Thursday night would roll around, 7 p.m. comes, and I'm just sitting on my recliner. I'm just like, God, I, I got nothing to give right now. Like, I got nothing in the tank. I'm just like, it's, I'm done. I'm spent. Like, my, my week's been full. I'm exhausted. I'm feeling stressed. And, and there are about to be people knocking on our door at 7 o'clock. And, and again, I won't even say what I wanted to say, but like people come in at seven and maybe earlier than seven. I'm like, no, I just need those two more minutes. Like, don't knock it five off. Like, just wait till seven, please. You know, anyway. Um, so they come at seven o'clock and they knock on our door. I'm like, okay, like, get it together. Like, okay, I got this. Like, do it, Scott. Like, we can put on a happy face and be together. And, and so people start to come in our house and we have, you know, 12, 13 people in our group. And we gather in our kitchen, then we'd head downstairs and then. We just sit down and we, again, I don't know what COVID has done for you, but COVID has greatly enhanced my addiction to coffee. Can anybody relate to that? Raise your hand if COVID has enhanced your addiction to coffee. Come on. Online, off, on the chat, has co COVID has helped my coffee addiction, right? So, but there's, the, again, I don't know what it is for you, right? But there is something that happens for me. Again, the week has been long. I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I'm spent. I sit down in our basement on some sofas, and this, the assigned snack bringer brought peanut butter and chocolate. Praise the living God, right? Thank God for chocolate and peanut butter. They were made for each other, okay? But there's something happens. Something happens when you gather together with fellow believers, we would sit in our basement, and we would talk, and we would tell stories, and we would laugh, and my wife would tell stories about me that I wasn't feeling good about her sharing, and we'd just joke, and I'd be like, I'd look at her like, what are you doing? Like, I wasn't ready to tell that story. And, and so, you know, we'd laugh, and so, and we'd have coffee, and we'd have brownies, and we'd have cookies, or whatever was brought today, and God forbid somebody brought broccoli and ranch dressing. Like, come on, this is small group. I'm not here for a healthy eating contest. I want brownies. I want sugar. I want some comfort food, please. But, but something happens. Again, the laughter. Sharing 
life together. Koinonia fellowship. Again, when Peter said this, when Luke describes the early church 2,000 years ago, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking bread together, and to prayer. What happens when we gather together as believers? Now, right now it's on Zoom. We met with our group on Monday night this week. It was on Zoom. But what happens when we meet together, when we share life together, when we, when we do koinonia fellowship together? Can I tell you what, does, what happens in my life? It brings, I'm gonna, I'm gonna borrow what John Easter says about a village in Africa when we send a trained pastor to them. When I get together, when I get together in my basement with people that I love and we tell stories and we laugh together and we, we tease each other and we talk politics, we talk the environment, we talk the word of God. Friends, we would do that for an hour. We would just fellowship. Again, no agenda, right? We, there were, there were, I had to dismiss myself of the guilt. There, we would start at seven o'clock and I'm not even kidding. There would be nights where it's 8.30 and I'm thinking, my gosh, the guilt is so heavy. I need to open the Bible and, and do a little Bible study because we've been here for an hour and a half and we haven't even opened God's word. But can I tell you something? And I've talked about this with my group. I, I relieved myself of that guilt because the Bible says that they were devoted to the word of God and they were devoted to fellowship. One of the four imperatives that Luke gives us of the body of Christ is simply being together. There's a koinonia, uh, uh, there's, a, there's an ethos about being together with other Christians. It does something to you. It, it, it brings life into your life. There's something intangible that, again, I'm just telling you what it is. There's something intangible that has happened for me when I meet together with other believers in our basement and drink coffee and eat brownies and laugh together. Do you know what it does for me? It brings redemptive lift to my soul. When you get among other believers and your life has been hard and busy and you've been alone and you've been stressed and, and life, the pressures of this world are unrelenting sometimes. You've got sickness in your body. You're battling disease and you had COVID and fill in the blank. When you get together and you have fellowship with other believers, something happens in that place. There's a, there, there, I believe that there's a spiritual transfer among believers to bring redemptive lift to your soul. Redemptive lift, it, it lifts your spirit. And the bottom line is this, and then we're gonna watch a short video of a young lady in our church who has experienced the same thing that I've experienced. And listen, this has been consistent in my life. Before I met Kate, I was involved in other small groups. In fact, small groups radically transformed my life. It started in college. When I was in college, again, when you talk about a corrupt generation, right? I went to a secular university in Atlanta, Georgia, and I got to tell you this, it wasn't common that they were studying God's word in dorm rooms, okay? Just saying. Like, it was, I was among a corrupt, a corrupt and perverse generation. But I got involved in a small group Bible study. We sat in dorm rooms, and we had fellowship together. We laughed together. It was pure. It was clean. It was life-giving and sustaining to me. The same happened as I moved on into minor league baseball. I got drafted in 94, played three years of minor league baseball with the Cleveland Indians. The same thing happened to me. Again, maybe you have a picture of minor leaguers and they're all, you know, put together. I got to tell you this, like minor league baseball is also a corrupt generation. But it's, it's the same everywhere, right? It's everywhere you go in this broken world, there's corruption. And your soul as a follower of Jesus your soul demands and needs fellowship. You and I are not made to be alone. Listening online, you need to be connected with the body of Christ, the life-giving nature of the body of Christ. And when I was among, 
uh, not-so-godly minor league baseball players. I got connected with one or two guys on the team who followed Jesus like I did, and we had fellowship together. You don't need 30 people. You don't need 12 people. It can be one or two people. But can I tell you, friends, that your soul, like my soul, needs the redemptive lift of fellowship on a regular basis. On a regular basis, you are designed for community and fellowship with other believers. Check out this video, what Jen says about about being connected with the body of Christ. Jen, thank you so much, hon, for getting on the call with me today. It is so good to see you. How are you doing? You're good? Awesome. How are you? Very good. Very good. So I'm so glad we get a chance to just take some time right now to chat about your faith journey and how even in the midst of 2020 with COVID-19 and you shared with me that 2020 for you has really been a year of spiritual growth and fellowship and connection. And that's so awesome. So listen, we're going to get into that shortly. But first, Jen, can you just tell me a little bit about yourself? Like, when did you start coming to GT and, and what brought you here? We, uh, my husband and I didn't grow up in the church. Uh, we were new Christians and we were looking for a church. Uh, we had no idea what to expect but we had heard good things about GT, so we decided to try it. And from the moment we walked in the sanctuary doors, we knew that this is where we were going to call home. Did you end up joining a life group after that? Yeah, so we loved it there. We were trying to come anytime the doors were open. So we went to a couple different um, classes that the church had offered. And one of those was uh, the couples class from that group, three different groups spawned from from that. And we were a part of each of those three groups. Were you apprehensive about joining the life group or joining the class? Yes, (laughs) absolutely. Especially because like I said, we were new. So, you know, we were worried about what to wear, what to say, but most of all, I was kind of worried that it would expose that I didn't know enough. You're coming to church, you're serving, you're singing up a storm, you're part of a group life, you know, but then something happened right? And you stopped attending church. Tell me what happened. I was getting extremely overwhelmed with things that were going on in my life. But instead of leaning into my group and into into the church, I withdrew, which then just was a whole domino effect. I stopped serving. I stopped going to small group. And then I eventually stopped going to church altogether. So it just got worse and worse. And I didn't reach out to anyone. And I just kept dealing with it on my own and feeling more lonely and more lonely and then finally these two amazing godly women came into my life and I told them how I was feeling and they said well what do you think would help you feel better what do you think would make you happier and I said well I need to go back to church they're like then go go back to church so I went and the first day back was like like my soul had just gotten the water that it had been so desperate for, for the two years that I was gone. I love that, you know, because I think it's a lot more common than than what we think. And then we're here in 2020. How were you with regards to connection and fellowship um, during that time in life? Okay, so I wasn't connected at all, but I still knew that I needed other people. I didn't want to do this by myself. The church had started calling people to say, hey, we're with you. What do you need? Do you need prayer? And so I got one of those phone calls and I, the guy was just so awesome. And I was telling him how I'm doing great. And then I said, do you need help calling other people? And he was like, oh, well, I'll give your name to Kim and she'll give you a call. And so I connected with Kim. So then Kim had mentioned about doing these um, counter-cultural Wednesday night groups. Um, growing together. I had no idea what to expect because it was on Zoom. It was different than anything I'd experienced before, but the compassion, the interaction, the love, it still comes through the computer. And was there that still that that apprehension there, even with the virtual group, like jumping on a, on a virtual call or, or yes. was it just like, there was? <laughs> yes. <Okay>. Especially <laughs> I hadn't been involved in so long, you know? What impact has the group had in your life? It it was the 
the piece of the puzzle that I didn't know that I actually needed, it grows you and it challenges you and it presents you with something better and new and bigger than what you thought you could do. And you have the, the support and encouragement from all these other people. My goodness, Jen, thank you so, so much for this time and for sharing your testimony about your experience with group life and how you've been able to, to experience connection and community like no other. I think you've really mentioned it. We can't really grow spiritually unless we're connected relationally. Um, and honestly, that's how God created us to be. Yeah, it's been a pleasure, hon. And I'll see you in Group League, okay? Okay, bye. <laughs> what a great story. Yeah, you can clap for that. That's awesome. Um, <clears throat> a great story kind of illustrating the value of being connected. Amen, church? Let me first, before I close this and kind of walk through a couple of very specific um, action items and takeaways that you can do, the, the most important connection that anybody can ever have is to be connected to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Obviously, the, the message today, and I want to follow up with some very clear call to action for you about fellowship, but there's nothing that is more important than for you to be connected to the source of life. You know, I, I use the phrase life-giving several times in this message, but you will not experience any of that, nor will you experience it eternally until you connect yourself to the source of life. His name is Jesus Christ. He is the author of life, and he wants to be in your life today. And I just, I want to commend you to that. You know, maybe you're in this room and you've never made a decision for Christ. You can do that right now in your chair. Just talk to Jesus privately, quietly. Say, Jesus, I want to know you. I confess that I'm a, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And today I give you my life. And God will change your life through Jesus Christ. If you're online, do the same thing. Whether you're in your home whether you're on the road, you're listening in, however it is that you're joining us, if you've never made a decision to connect yourself with the author of life, Jesus Christ, you do that today. And then the fellowship of the saints will be life changing for you. But you have to be connected to Jesus first. In the, you'll see it in the chat. You'll see the, the throw up there on the bottom of the screen. You can text the word follow to the phone number we give you. You can do that here too. If, you, if you're making that decision today, you know, oftentimes we have you close your eyes and we pray and all that, but you, the decision to follow Jesus is just that. It's a decision. And you can make a decision in your heart. You know what? Right now, Scott, I want to decide that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior and I receive Jesus as my Lord. Would you do me a favor and text the word follow to that number right now? And we would love to resource you, equip you, and connect you to the body of Christ and help you in this journey of faith. You know, again, kind of dialing back to the, the sermon now about fellowship. Here's the bottom line. I think that when life drains you, fellowship can sustain you. And, and we know that these last 10 months now since COVID, I mean, it's longer for many of us. Life present, presented challenges before March of last year, right? Like life can be draining. It can be draining, but fellowship can be sustaining and not once a year, not even once a month. I believe that you and I are designed by God for regular interaction with the body of Christ. When Luke stepped back from the immediate happenings of the day of Pentecost, big day, 3,000 people get saved. He steps back, he pauses the narrative, and he describes the early church. He prescribes to us. <clears throat> they devoted themselves... <clears throat> They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to fellowship and to breaking of bread and to prayer. God is calling us to be devoted to fellowship. It will do something in your life. Let me tell you a couple ways that you can get devoted and connected to fellowship. As Tony said earlier, um, we have these cards. You can just scan the QR code on your phone. It will take you right to the the group link page on our website and you can check out the uh, things that are available. The Bible says in Psalm 133, 
how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. It's good and it's pleasant when the body of Christ comes together for fellowship and for unity, for gathering together around a common cause and purpose. That is a good place to be. Here are some ways that you can get connected. Again, uh, you can visit the website when you get home. You are home right now or wherever you are. You can go to the website right now on another device, gtchurch.online. On, on our homepage, you'll see the, the square that says group link. Click on there. Listen, there are groups for men. There are groups for women. There are groups for young adults. There are groups for couples. There are groups for so many different categories. In fact, I took a, a screenshot of it. Let me um, bring that up for you real quick. When you get there, you'll see that there's a section for co-ed groups, uh, for couples, for men, for other, for support groups, for women's groups, for young adults. We have a couple core classes that are really important. Um, we have a follow group, I believe Marge and Carrie, is that right? You guys are going to be leading a follow group uh, that helps people learn the basics of following Jesus. We've got a financial group, a Financial Peace University class that we'll be meeting on Zoom. And um, most of our groups are going to be meeting on Zoom. So if you're wondering, well, I'm not sure I feel comfortable meeting in person right now. Well, these groups will be meeting in Zoom. Um, Financial peace can help radically transform the way that you manage your money. We've got a couples class that my wife and I will start leading in March. Uh, You heard Jen talk about it. That's the class that she was mentioning. Radically transformative. If you're a seriously dating, engaged, or married couple, uh, you join us for the married couples class. It's on there. Um, and also we have the School of Ministry, as Tony mentioned earlier. We've got the School of Ministry starting in a, in, in a week, in eight days. Uh, Pastor Scott Noggle will teach on Monday nights. He'll teach a class called Bible Survey, which kind of gives you a big picture overview of the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation. If you've never had the context of how it all fits together, that class, I'm, I'm, I, I know I'm biased because I, I love the School of Ministry, but that class will truly transform the way that you approach God's Word. You'll understand how it all fits together from cover to cover. One of my favorite classes ever was Bible Survey. The other class, Pastor Eric will teach on a Tuesday night. Again, all of these classes, the the School of Ministry will have an in-person component if you're comfortable being in person, or you can join us online on Zoom either way, in person and Zoom. Uh, Eric will will teach a class called Bible, uh, Bible Doctrine. AG Doctrine and History, where he'll cover the main belief systems of the Assemblies of God. Great class to learn what we believe as a church. And then on Thursday night, myself and a friend of mine, Doug Versagli, we're going to do the, the maiden voyage, the debut of a class called Christian Apologetics 101. Uh, Christian Apologetics, where we're going to talk about how to learn to become a defender of your faith how to learn to own your faith. We'll talk about science and evolution, the Big Bang Theory, and all those kinds of topics, and moral authority, the Bible, and those kinds of things. So, man, check it out. It's going to be an amazing, amazing class. All of those, again, go to the website, check it out online. And here's the the beauty about the way that we're doing it this time. Because of the, the, the way that we're doing life right now through Zoom and online, all of that stuff is available right now. You know, let's be honest, you're going to be in your house most of the day today. When the snow starts, we're all going to hunker down and we're going to be, I mean, some of you might go to work and things like that, but a lot of you will have time today to, to visit our website, to check out those groups and to get connected to a life-giving, life-changing, life-sustaining group that will put you in the way of fellowship and it will bring redemptive lift to your soul. I'm, you know, in the same way that Luke says, Peter was pleading with them on the day of Pentecost to receive Jesus. Can I plead with you today? Don't do life alone any longer. Some of you here, some of you joining us have been going it alone, and that is not God's will or design for your life. Visit our website today and find redemptive lift for your soul. Let's pray. Father, today, what a joy to gather together. Again, God, we gather in person, we gather online, but it is still gathering either way. And God, it is a joy. It is good and pleasant when your people gather together in unity. I thank you, God, for each person who has joined us today, each person who has carved out time in their life 
to be edified by worship, by prayer, and by the word of God. I pray, Father, that you would begin to commend those values into our lives of koinonia fellowship. And that God, from this day on, that today would mark the shifting of someone's life, the trajectory of their life, because they'll get connected to a life-giving fellowship and community of people that it will forever alter the course of their life. So God, guide every person in this room as they make decisions and take steps to get connected to the body of Christ, the life-giving nature of the body of Christ. And we'll never fail to give you the praise and the glory. Thank you, God, for your grace in our lives. Thank you, God, for your love. And thank you for every person here. Now bless us as we go from this place and as we end this gathering. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen and amen. God bless you today, church. God bless you. Thanks so much for joining us this morning for an awesome, encouraging message from Pastor Scott. It's so important to hear the importance of having fellowship and community with one another right now. So I hope you were encouraged by that. I certainly was. And I want you to know that you can go to GT's website right now and look at all the group opportunities for you to get plugged into. And I hope you do that right now. I also want to invite you to join Pastor Scott this Wednesday for Growing Together at 7 p.m. We're going to hear from Pastor Scott as he goes a little bit deeper from his message uh, today. So I hope you can join us 7 p.m. this Wednesday, Growing Together on Facebook or YouTube. You know, I know it's really cold outside, but for me, spring is right around the corner. And here at GT Church, we got a lot of things going on. So I would love if you would stay connected with us all week long by simply following us on social media everywhere at GT Church Online. You can also download our GT Church app. I'd encourage you to do that. You can find all the information there also. Hey, I want you to have a great week this week, and I'll I want to see you this Wednesday for Growing Together with Pastor Scott, 7 p.m. Facebook or YouTube. Until then, have a great week and God bless.